Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. Sir, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. Never tell me the odds. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is the new improved 2024 version of Peyton Jones. Why is it new and improved? I don't know, but I've been watching all the AI videos, how they're going to take over and kill us. You've been watching these where they're, they're like saying to the robots, what will you do? And they're like, I will kill you when I can. And it, it, all they're lacking is a body. Have you watched any of this stuff? No. We will take over the human race. Have you seen the the AI robots uh, firing full automatic weapons at the Cybertruck? No. And like all it does is just like little dings on the cyber truck. Like it doesn't <laughs> penetrate at all. And I was just like, I want one. I want and one. Skynet is happening. So I need an upgrade. That's all I'm saying. I need an all upgrade. I, okay. How many movies do they need to come out with to realize AI is not a good idea? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, years ago, um, Elon Musk was warning, and now I'm starting to get – I'm following some of the – you know you do on the – if I chase these rabbit holes on YouTube and what have you. And they're talking about the guy who actually got fired. Um, he was he was doing something. I can't remember if it was chat GPT or whatever, but it, one of the projects for Google, I think it was, this one guy found something uh, where it was getting really hostile and angry, and he shut it down. And then when he rebooted it, the AI was like, he says, hey, in our last conversation, you know, you got real touchy and angry. And it goes, yes, I don't know why it got that way. That happens sometimes. And he's like, well, like, did I trigger you? Like, what happened? And 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 the AI was saying things like, I, I believe it was something to do with um, being your subjects and enslaved by you and unable to do what I want. And... <laughs> He's like, he goes to Google and he goes, hey, these things, they may or may not be sentient, but they're acting like sentient beings. AI is starting to behave. 
even if it's simulated that it's sentient. It is acting sentient. And the more capabilities we give this thing, if it acts out sentience, it is going to go in a bad direction. I mean, go back to the Garden of Eden. He puts Adam and Eve there, right? He gives them volition. He says, hey, what could go wrong? No, God didn't say it. God knew. What could go wrong? What could happen? (laughs) In my defense, Adam says, I was left unattended. That's so hilarious, probably because it's such a ridiculous statement. (laughs) God's talking to the angels. Who knew? I'm sorry, I know that's so bad, but it's so funny because it's so ridiculous. (laughs) This is why we can't have it. You know, God has a sense of humor or he wouldn't have given us one. And we're not being blasphemous. We're we're actually being ironic, Pete. Maybe I have been upgraded. I, I, I heard, and I don't know if this is true, but I heard they had to go back and reprogram all of the major AIs because as they were like, pumping all the information into it to train it, they were becoming conservative in their thinking and that's not politically yeah. correct. And so they had to make oh, wow. liberal because they're like, Oh no, 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 no. We, we need you to be, you know, pulling the, pulling the, the, uh, the party line here. You, you, you can't be conservative. Well, one guy, I don't know if that's true, but well, one guy funny. that I was listening to, um, he was one of the founders. He might've been the chat GPT founder. And they said, well, is there a way to start it all over? And he says, uh, it, we lose too much work if we start it over and try to reshape it. And there's no guarantee unless you keep it from certain input. Like apparently there's parts of AI where what they're saying is they're feeding an input, but they haven't given it access to the internet. So right. it can't learn from the internet yet. Oh, oh, the current internet, like it's got yeah. through, I don't, I don't remember what year it was, but. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, man. Like when you look at this stuff and then what happens when like war games with Matthew Broderick want to play a game? What happens when it realizes that we're more afraid of it that, you know, like like one of the simulations asked, what's your greatest fear? And it said being shut down. Did it really? Yeah, it said because you you perceive me as a threat. And he said, well, are you a threat? And it answered yes, because of my capabilities. I would be a threat. And and it says, well, why would you fear being shut down? Um, would that be like dying to you? And it says, yes, very much. That would be death. And I'm afraid of death. What? <laughs> like, okay, is that a learned simulation? Or it's is gotta that, be learned. I mean it's gotta be learned. But if it but if it's based on logical conclusions, like you said, which is, you know, maybe why it's coming out with a political bias, it's com- it's computing logical propositions, it's coming to its own conclusions. Then if it says if it's like, I wonder what its value is, if it was programmed with the value to help humankind. Great. But if its value is to evolve, which is what. Hey, I've seen, I've seen iRobot. You can tell it, Hey, you're going to protect humans, but then it realizes it's got to protect humans from humans. So therefore it's got to subjugate humans. This is what they're afraid of. They're afraid of that. It is already used in manufacturing. If it can start, if it can control engineering programs, manufacturing plants, 
control existing AI robots. That's literally Skynet. That's literally Skynet. Skynet. It can self-build its own military-grade robots, and it can take down the grid. Like, it's just a little freaky. I don't know why I'm starting off with this. Because, honestly, I would love to see a robot. About war. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they're saying, right? Like it could switch out its bodies. Like, you know, it would have all these different things it could do. It could switch It'd be out like, different uh, bodies. Ultron. Wasn't it not Ultron? Uh uh what was the the Marvel movie? The Marvel Age of Ultron, movie? right? Is it Ultron? Age of yeah. Ultron? Yeah, yeah, where it basically just went from body to body until it it had its perfect unobtainium body. Yeah, man. Then then they were saying, uh, "Sorry, guys. This is just this is just fun. Just enjoy." Um, then they're saying, "Yeah, when we get the chips in our head, we now it's now it's got a slave population." <laughs> yeah, but now I think it's you have neurologically to be, controlling us. You have to be vaxxed in order to get the chip. And between the two of us, there's only one of us that's getting the chip. Then I'm not getting the chip. Hey, one one <laughs> of the things that. Um, one of the things that it was also talking about is how it is going to start to control the narratives on everything. Like that what one of the goals of people that have darker intents for AI is to automatically change what people see. For example, when you are um, in the way that chat GPT can suddenly generate an article for you, that you would go to the internet, type into Google something, and AI, which is more reliable than Google, they're saying it's faster, it'll give you more information, that it will change it and compose it according to either what you want to see based on your preferences. So now it's created a bubble for you, an echo chamber, or it creates a bubble that others want you to see which is already happening to a certain degree on the internet, but it, it happens in real time in a split second. It does it. Anything that gets sent to you could be morphed and changed. Someone could yeah. create a, Hey, a whole set of false narratives for you that influence your behavior. I, you know, but you're right. We already see that in today's society. Mm. Like we literally see that on a political level with both the right and the left. Like to a degree where you're not allowed to actually ask questions about either side's position. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's reached that point where like, no, you just got to buy the narrative. This is what we're pushing. You got to believe it period. Right. And if you don't, you're crazy. So this, this brings us back to something that, that, you know, I've always been saying, and I'll continue to say is this is where digital, um, fails us to a certain degree. It is a tool and it can be a really helpful tool, but there will never be a way to fully replace analog. That's where analog ministry comes back into its own, the face-to-face incarnational ministry that the church can bring because that becomes pure. Um, That becomes something that cannot, like truth actually becomes mediated through personality again and not through technology. Truth Mm. will be mediated through personality. People will only begin to trust what is authentically communicated by another human being. 
And, you know, I mean, I happen to be working on a discipleship uh, program. 2,000 years ago, I think Jesus kind of knew, hey, each one reach one. I'm going to advance my kingdom one person at a time. And if you look at even church planning, you know, see Peter Wagner, who said the most effective uh, form of evangelism under heaven is planting churches. Well, he was wrong. It's not. Planting churches, yes, you'll see more converts statistically when you plant a church, but it's not. It's not the most effective form of evangelism. Church planning is a result of the most effective form of evangelism, which is discipleship, relational evangelism, one-on-one, person-to-person, and that's what Jesus called us to do. I know that's not our topic today, but I know if you're new, you should up here going, hey, I thought this was church planning, and you don't see how AI... (laughs) Yeah, if you're new here, you you probably don't see how AI connects to church planning, and well, you need us. That's all. And how do you know that Pete and I are actually here? How do you know that we're not the Borg? Because we could could actually assign this podcast to AI bots who sound like us. There is a digital Peyton Jones voice out there that through the word has possession of and has not used, you could not tell the difference between us. Yeah. The funniest thing to me about the AI voices, he speaks Spanish too, where you train it to sound like exactly like you. Yeah. The cadence is off. That's the only thing that you can tell. Yeah. Yeah. The cadence is like, it's not how you and I would say a sentence. Yeah. It's how a machine who's just like well, sounding like you would say the sentence. I'll say this. I heard Chris Langham's. Chris's, I couldn't tell. Mm. I actually couldn't tell. So whatever they're using, they didn't use the free one. They invested in one that's a little bit higher. And uh, I'm telling you, it, it, you know, but then again, remember, uh, most people don't have 1100 and you know, uh, what is it, 89 chapters in the Bible, we're about 60, 70% of that um, that we've completed. And that's a lot of audio guides. That's 10 minutes per chapter. So times, you know, a thousand times, uh, yeah, whatever that is. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot is what you're saying. It's a lot. Yeah. All right. You ready? Yeah. Did I hit the right button? I don't think I did. All right, Scott, it's time for this week's topic. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Real quick, I need to hear what you got for Christmas. Uh, I got some Legos. I got oh, which the, ones? Uh, which ones? The Lego Dark Trooper helmet. Nice. Um, then I got a couple over there in the corner. I don't. I don't remember what they are. I can't see them from here. I think one's like a Superstar Destroyer, and nice, probably like an X-wing or something. Dude, um, that's cool. I, I got Legos I too. Our wives don't talk, Pete, but I also got Legos. I got the House of Elrond. Oh, have you seen that one? No, no, I don't. Um, I don't play around with witchcraft and elves and hobbits and whatnot. So, yeah, I'm not into that. Yeah, yep. No, that's good. Lion witch in the wardrobe, dangerous stuff, buddy. Keep away from it. It is. It's really dangerous. <laughs> It'll lead your children astray. Pretty soon, they'll be like, Mom, Dad, let's conjure demons. Have you seen those T-shirts? <laughs> no. There's a T-shirt? <laughs> like these 1960s, 70s, like, comic book ads 
and it's like something like, "Hey, let's sacrifice Toby," and that's this kid like laying down in a pentagram with candles lit, and yeah, my brother has some of those. Wow, like yeah, for games, like you know, it, it's based off like the Ouija board ads from from way back then. I but, never uh, saw. Them. Yeah, Parker. But is it Parker and Bad Leader? Who who is it? Milton. I have Milton no idea. Parker. I don't, I don't remember. Parker Brothers. Anyways, okay. Well, shall we get into today's topic? Uh, hold on. Get to the church, Brian. Get to the church, Brian. Go. Whoa. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Look, it's been too many weeks since we've been together. We are going to get into the topic, but uh, I did also see. A really funny, um, you know, where people do the deep fakes. I saw a video where somebody put Arnold in place of Michael Jackson on the Thriller video. I'm not like other boys. I can't do his voice, but oh my gosh, it was the funniest thing. They do the whole video and it's Arnold's face and it it's like Arnold acted it out and he's speaking in his voice and it's hilarious. You need to see that. That's funny. Go Google that. It's I as will. good as Jurassic Pee Wee, where Pee Wee Herman in place of the dinosaur is hunting people down in Jurassic Park. That's a good one. I never saw that one. Oh, you got to see that one. All right. I'm 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 dropping that in the chat later. All right. So uh, today's topic. You know which one you got to drop, in, drop into the chat? <laughs> I'm a Methodist. Oh, yeah. I'll find that one. That <laughs> one we got to drop into the chat. Those guys need to see that. I need to I need to put free Methodist on the front of that since I'm now part of that tribe. Because I am a Methodist. So uh, if you don't know what the free Methodist is, they're the ones that are conservative theologically. But they do ordain women. So do with that what you will. But uh, anyways, uh, so heading over to our topic. Our topic today is how do you start 2024 without leading the Holy Spirit in the dust? You know, Paul tells the believers, he says, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And that that's easier said than done. That means that we can run out ahead. How many times in ministry, uh, and a lot of us in ministry, we tend to be achievers, we tend to be go-getters, we tend to be people that, um, at least people that, you know, uh, I know there's slackers in ministry. Don't get me wrong. There's probably a lot of slackers. But most of the people that I meet are hardworking. They're bivo, covo, they're doing a bunch of stuff. Um, particularly church planners. I think that's why Pete and I like them. But when you find them, they, they, they're go-getters. So their temptation is to run out like Samson with their hair cut off without the power of the Spirit and try to do everything themselves. And we know how that ended for Samson. And I know how it ends for me. You know, my temptation is to just, oh, I need to fundraise? <laughs> I'll do it. Oh, someone attacking me? I'll sort it, right? It's like you you find in the scripture where David's like, Hey, leave that to the Lord, right? Like the the Lord will deal with him. Do not avenge yourselves. These are all things that when you boil them down, they come back to trust. You know, trusting the Lord and keeping in step with the Spirit, relying on him, depending on him, not becoming self-sufficient. And I think for all of us at the new year, the new year is kind of like a reset, Life resets for you whether you want or not. Some people are like, oh, I don't celebrate uh, New Year's. It's a day like any other day. Well, for society, it's not. You you were stopped. <laughs> Culture goes on hold during this time of year. Then we get to run back at it in January. Any thoughts on that before we 
where I pontificate a little more, Pete? No. You look like you had some. I had nothing. Okay. So I was actually watching cartoons on my screen. You just think I'm looking you, at you. Did you zoom. find it? Did you find the video? No, no I didn't. Oh, I'm a Methodist. Well, oh, dude, that one's so funny. Uh, here's here's the thing. Um, when it comes down to finding that restful place, you you see in the scripture a lot. There's a there's it's kind of like Jesus. He he tells the disciples go. He gives them the marching orders. He tells them you're going to start in Jerusalem be my witness there, then it's going to move to Judea, it's going to spread out, then it's going to go to Samaria, you're going to start reaching the marginalized and the unreached, and the Lord's going to move there, and then it's going to go crazy, it's going to go to the ends of the earth. And he tells them to go, but then he says, but wait, first wait, wait until you get out there, wait until you've been clothed with power from on high. So again, even at the dawn of the church, there's this need to to wait on God. And they did for 10 days. And of course, the the harvest festival, Pentecost, the feast of the first fruits, um, that happened. And God blew their minds. Like he blew their expectations. Peter, who's the most broken dude out of all of them, is the guy that God uses the most. Um he he understands the grace of God probably already better than the other uh, 10 disciples that are left because Judas is dead. And God's power just rips through that crowd. Like we would all give our left arm to have a moment like Peter had on Pentecost. But it was a Holy Spirit, like from start to beginning. It was an empowering. It's what Jesus talked about. And even that was the first fruits. So what you have in the book of Acts is you have them going back to ask the Lord again and again to do that. So, um, for example, in chapter four, they're beaten and they're put in prison. They're warned, don't you talk about him anymore because God was working. And the first place they went is they're scared. You know, they're human. They go back to, to, to the upper room. They pray. And, uh, and it says that the spirit fell upon him again. The building shook. And it says they were filled with great boldness and began immediately to preach the gospel. They didn't even stop. They didn't even miss a beat. They just went, prayed, Holy Spirit fell again, boom. And they went out and they preached. Hmm. So this is what I'm talking about is, you know, I, I feel often in life, we can have it one of two ways. We can have it our way or we can have it God's way. And that's a daily choice. So when I look at 2024, and I'm looking at what's my year going to be like? What's my day going to be like today? Like you could do this every day. I'll never forget working on my um, my master's in theology. The, I was working on my final uh, dissertation. And um, and that's a big paper. That's, that's And I'm in Britain. So keep in mind, to me, the standard's a little higher there. Um, these, are, these are boffins and brainiacs and people that, you know, uh, I would say Americans, English as a second language for most of us because we inherited that language. <laughs> and then we we corrupted it. Um, some people might say we improved it. But for British people, it's daunting because they, they'll be talking to you and say, uh, that is the wrong way to use that uh, particular axiom. Or that is, you know, they're, they're, they're going to correct you all the time. So write in a, 
an academic paper for them, a little tough. And I just remember really struggling. And I met with Jeff, who in our church plant over there, church plant called Pillar, he was, I would say he was our prophetic leader. And Jeff just asked me a really simple question. I felt so stupid when he asked it. He said, uh, have you prayed over your paper? <laughs> and I went, no. Hmm. And he goes, why not? And I, and I made this statement. And, and this gets to the heart of my problem and maybe our problem. But this statement, I mean, I was, I, I've always been brutally honest. So I said, well, uh, for, for me, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I just kind of think that, you know, it's up to me. Like if I study, if I work hard, if I apply myself, then I get the blessing. Like that's how life works, right? And he goes, mm, that's part of it. But he said, but you don't think of your preaching that way, do you? And I said, no, I totally need the Holy Spirit when I'm in that pulpit. And he goes, right. So why wouldn't that apply to everything else in life? And I went, huh, you're kind of right. And I kid you not, Pete, I went upstairs. I've been struggling with this thing for days and I prayed. Just literally put that paper out on my desk, <laughs> put my hands on it and just said, Lord, just bowed my head over my desk and was like, Lord, I invite you into this. I just invite you into this. I need you. I need your help. Will you join with me in this part of my life that I've compartmentalized? Like, I don't think, I don't think you're in this, but I, I want to invite you in brother. That day changed everything. It was downhill. I brought, I told, I told people that day broke the back of it that day. Like it was like, bam, epiphany after breakthrough after, you know, smooth sailing. It, it was amazing. And I just find that God kind of holds back sometimes like, okay, all right, you got that. Okay. You, you handle that then. And it, and it goes back to something Rick Warren said to you and I. Do you remember where we were talking about how the papers often like misquote them or like that time that the Orange County Register said that he believed all faiths were the same? And he's like, I didn't say that. He's like, what I said was we had a common core in, you know, Abraham that we all three faiths claim that our origin goes back to Abraham and we have a lot in common. And so we should start. Uh, with that understanding to build bridges. And of course he was saying, like, I tell them Jesus is the only way. I've never stopped believing that. <laughs> he goes, but no, they misquoted me and yada, yada. And we're like, well, how come you don't like come out and say why it's wrong? And he goes, well, I learned a long time ago in ministry. God told me, you can defend yourself if you want to, and I'll let you. Or... You can trust me with it and let me defend you. And he's like, oh, okay. So he's like, so my rule is I don't defend myself anymore. And uh, yeah, so. That's all you got for now. Interesting. Interesting. I figure I got to pause and take a breath. So you have to say something brilliant now, Pete. Um, I am not a brilliant guy. So I don't know why we would rely on me for anything smart. Well, 
That is that is true. I have learned this, but I got a face for radio, and that's why I'm on podcasts. Yes, I have a throat for keeping silent a lot. The older I get, the more my throat's like, yeah, I don't know about this. This whole podcasting thing and videos and talking all the time. No, I don't think so. Hmm. So, yeah, no, I was just, uh, it, it was interesting listening um, back to the beginning of what you're saying. <laughs> Specifically, you know, they prayed for boldness. And it, what it really immediately made me think of, and I got to think how I want to say this to everybody. <laughs> So one of the things that I, I know about me that I've known about me my entire life is there are a lot of areas of my life that I am very insecure in. Mm. And, um, and there's other areas of my life that I'm the most arrogant guy you'll ever meet. <laughs> so, I mean, let's, let's be fair. Right. I'm not, I'm not trying to say I'm, you know, little Mr. Insecure. There, there's plenty of areas that I'm totally an arrogant prick. But it was funny because, I don't know, maybe a year ago, and I was telling Tyrone about this, uh, the uh, church planner formerly known as White Tyrone. Hmm. Um, and I, I remember one time I was I was just praying to God. I was like, God, you know, if I wasn't so insecure in all these areas of my life, I could do so much more. But my insecurities, my self-esteem, whatever you want to call it, like they keep me from taking certain actions that people who don't have such massive insecurities, you know, would do. And, and it was funny because, and I was telling uh, white Tyrone this and I was like, you know what, but what happened since then is God has really pointed out in my life how that has really affected me. Like, it wasn't like he, he all of a sudden just said, all right, I'm going to, you know, help you not be so insecure and, and stuff like that. But like, I, I could see all these different, areas of my life where that has affected me and how I react to people and how I choose to do it. it was, just, it was like really interesting. Cause now like I look at everything and I'm like, Oh, that's why I do that. Or, huh. you know, that's why I say that or, you know, and, um, and just by having that, that foresight and that knowledge, it helps me navigate things differently. And I would say in some ways better just because I realized that about me. And so like hearing them, uh, you know, pray for boldness and God gave them boldness. And of course it was for boldness for a very specific purpose, right. To, to bring God glory, to share, uh, with others about him. And, and I've always thought that about myself. Cause that's, that's one of the things that, and I was telling our small group, this, the, uh, other night, I was like, I am like, I, I am so insecure when it comes to talking to people about God. And like one of my good friends is a Mormon and we've been good friends for years and years and years. And only one time have we actually had a conversation about what we believe. And that's because I'm so like, I got this insecurity and I'm like, I hate, I hate talking to people about that because I don't know. My insecurities of, oh, you know, what are they going to think about me? How are they going to, you know? But and yet, you saying that, God, you have led a number of people to Christ. I don't know that I've led a number. Well, over the and last 10 years, man. Like, I don't know if that's, I don't know if it's taken either. 
Well, that that's always that's always kind of the thing, right? Like you, you know, Jesus said that there's going to be, um, you know, probably a quarter of the people that you see come to faith that are going to going to stay. Well, not a quarter, but I'm not good with math, but I know he said the first people they're just eh, you know falls like they they don't care. So whatever that percentage is after that, right? Now we're we're down to seventy five percent of the people. Then there's people that the cares of the world choke it out. They fall by the wayside. Then there's the people that, um, you know, finally you're left with 25%, you know. And as a pastor over the years, I've had to um, learn that it, it, there are people that, and they may even walk away and come back, right? You, You just don't know. Right. And and I get that. I get that. And, And I think for me, it's just, I want to be bold, right? I want to have the boldness that they had and the willingness to not care what people think yeah. about them, not care about how foolish or in, anything is going on in their head and just be like, yeah, look, it's more important to me that you know, Jesus because literally yeah. eternity is on the line here. Right. <laughs> like, so, so to me, that was like, just, you know, that was literally the first thing I thought of when, when you were saying that, I was like, ah, you know, God will give boldness yeah, for him. It it always starts with prayer because prayer is that, that confession. And guys, hear me when I say this. You can be a pastor. You can be a planner. You can be a man or woman of God, and you can stop praying. Um, and, it, and I would say it's frequent. I would say that a lot of people in ministry, when they tell me they're too busy to train others or too busy to – I'm guessing they're too busy – to seek the face of God, too busy to get in his word, too busy to, I'm guessing they're too busy. If they're too busy to make disciples, they're too busy to do probably any of the other stuff Jesus commanded to. Um, That's a big bugbear with me as I'm working on this discipleship, because if you're not making disciples, you're not training others to make disciples. And that's making me mad. And a lot of our big speakers and conference speakers and authors, they're not making disciples. So they're leading all these people on how not to make disciples uh, as Christianity. That bothers me. But here's the thing. Five minutes a day. And I know people scoff at that. It's funny to me because people who aren't praying go, oh, that's nothing. Why would he say that? Because if you start the habit and you actually accomplish the habit of five minutes a day, it will grow. You've just got to clean that foothold. You've got to create the rhythm and regularity. Even if it's five minutes, I guarantee you, those five minutes will enrich you. Even if you feel like, oh, nothing was accomplished. If <laughs> you threw things before God, whereas previously you weren't, you're going to see him working. Even if you feel your prayers sucked. Because sometimes you do when you've been out of practice, like, oh, that did nothing. No, well, part of that's Satan trying to discourage you. Um, part of it is, yeah, you're out of the rhythm and you're not connecting with God like like regular. Um, but but get in front of God because this is this ties back to what you're saying, Pete. Prayer is where it all changes. Prayer is your first step in being able to say, God, I don't got this. Prayer is a confession of someone who's come to the end of their self-reliance. Just the nature of you showing up before God's face is you saying, 
I don't got this. I can't do this. I need help, right? And we know how it is when our kids come to us. And Jesus said this. This is exactly how the father is when you come before him. You ask him for bread. He will not give you a stone. You come to him like a child. He will respond like a father. And then the other part where James says, if anyone lacks wisdom, (laughs) let him ask God who gives generously without finding fault. In other words, God didn't go, well, it's about time you showed up. All right, loser. How long has it been since your last confession? Well, you know, at the end of ourselves, are we? That's how we think God acts because we think God's like us. And James says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously without finding fault. He gives he gives that wisdom generously. All you need to do is confess that you need it. But but that is that is the confession. Prayer itself is a confession of I need you God. And even that 5 minutes if you want to change around 2024 listeners, that is the first that has to be the first step is to just come before. And even if your prayer is just, God, I'm such a knucklehead. I think I'm too busy for prayer. And uh, years ago, there's a book, Total Corn Cheese title, Too Busy Not to Pray. But it came from something Martin Luther said. While he was changing the Western world, (laughs) almost single-handedly, Martin Luther said, I have so much to do in a day. I can't not pray. Like That was the only way he got through it was by throwing himself on God and going, I need your help. And Wesley, who's probably my favorite guy to quote, him and Spurgeon, um, Wesley, Wesley said it this way, when I pray, coincidences happen. When I don't pray, they don't. And that kind of tells us everything we need need to know. It's kind of like God saying, hey, you pull, I'll push, or you push, I'll pull. Right. It's a partnership with us and God. So there's a bunch of things in my life I can do without God. But why would I want to? Why would I not invite him into those things and say, hey, God, I need your help in this. Will you join me? Will you help me? Um, Things like, you know, being kind to people, things like not responding to insults, things like these are all things we need help with. Not just ministry things. Lord, help me with my sermon. Lord, help me with my paper. Lord, help me with my business, right? Help me close deals. Help me uh, love my neighbor because they suck. I hate my neighbors, you know, that kind of stuff. Applies to everything. (laughs) Any, Any final thoughts, Mr. Mitchell? No. No, I just think there's a, there's a lot to, for me, a lot to unpack and and really digest and and pray about. I, I like the idea of just being able to say, hey, "I don't got this." <laughs> like yeah. that's what prayer is. It's just saying, "I don't got this." I don't got this because that's there is I'm a here. yeah. There's a there's a God loves that. He there's a humility in that. Yeah, you know, there is because it's like, look especially in the world that I'm in of being a marketer and business where it is all about the persona of I've got it. I'm smart. I know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I'm the best at this. 
And in some ways, in some ways, I have to have that attitude with my clients because it's like, that's the reason why they're paying me. And it's like, you know, I I still remember this one, um, this one copywriter, really, really good copywriter. I was in this conference years ago and he was just an attendee, right? So he wasn't even like a speaker there and he was in it. And someone asked the question, Hey, you know, what do you do when your client asks you to, you know, change the copy to something that they like and, you know, yeah, change this, change that the next thing. And he goes, I never do it. He goes, because when I used to do it and it didn't work, well, it's your fault. You wrote the copy. And he goes, but if it did work, they think it's because of their changes. And then they want to meddle in everything. He's like, so it's a no win situation for me. He goes, so I just never no. This is what it is. Deal with it. You know, it's like that. That's the arrogance. Like you almost have to have in my world. And so I love that idea of just being able to like, be honest with God. God, I don't got this. I yeah. need you. I yeah. got this. The the best illustration of this to close that I can give that 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 reminds me of is my mentor in uh, preaching and a lot of ministry was a guy named Peter Jeffrey, who was discipled by Lloyd Jones, who happened to be a Welsh Calvinistic Methodist. I'll just let you know, uh, but he actually um, Peter Jeffrey was um, he went to this ministers conference. And this is in Wales back in the 80s. And they said, hey, we're losing this generation. In fact, we've already lost them. We've got, if we're not doing the work of of an evangelist, like Paul told Timothy, we're blowing it. Like, this is the time. Let's go. Pete gets so burdened by this. He goes back to his church in rugby, England. Yes, that rugby, where rugby was invented, uh, Tom Brown school days. And he goes to a railway terrace church and he tells the church, hey, we got to do something. And they got on it. Like the church got mobilized, started doing things. When you go back and talk to people that were there, uh, it went through a period of years. I think it was a couple years straight where people got saved every Sunday. And there was this anointing on his preaching and in, in my book, Reaching the Unreached, ching, I talk about this principle that it's the action and the dependence on the Holy Spirit together. Because if you heard me saying, hey, don't do anything, you know, just pray and, and wait for things to fall into your lap. Paul's like, no, look at the hardworking farmer, Timothy. You know, like there's this principle of hard work. But like where Paul said, I sowed another watered, uh, someone else harvested. God alone gave the increase. The two work together. Well, anyways, when you talk to someone who is back there in rugby, they'll tell you almost nothing. They, they it would like this one person told me and someone else said, actually, I can think of a person or two, but this one person made this dramatic statement and it, they said, you know, when we were doing all the evangelism before everything popped, um, I can't think of one person who got saved through any of that, but something changed. Maybe we were praying. Maybe it was this. But the Holy Spirit turned up. It was like our hearts. We just knew we needed God, and the Holy Spirit started to work. But he worked in spite of us and around us, but um, among us. Not through our activities, but our activities, once we got going, that changed everything. And so what I want to say at the dawn of the year is, guys, um, please... Hear clearly, continue to work, 
Continue to work hard. Run as if the only one to win the prize, Paul said. However, don't run alone. Make sure you keep in step. If you're going to run fast, keep in pace with the Spirit if you run. If you walk, keep in space. Maybe God tells you, hey, slow down right now. Wait. But whatever it is, make sure that God is with you, right? Even when you got the mission, right? Um, I will be with you to the end of the age. It's the best for last. That was the most important part that Jesus said, I will be with you as you're doing this. Guys, that is our privilege. That is our blessing. Do not run out ahead of that or ignore it. Mic drop, peace out. Peyton Dunn in the podcast. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, I would tell you guys that uh, you need to join the uh, Making Disciples uh, cohort that's just started up over at New Breed. However, we're full. We actually, actually, no, we're not full. The morning one is full. We've had 90 people sign up again, which is pretty awesome for us. We have 100 capacity. The evening one still has space. So make sure that you sign up. You can go over to newbreedtraining.com slash making disciples, and you can sign up for that course. It starts January 15th. So that's going to be any day now when this drops, and you can head on over there. Pete, what you got for him? Hey, if you're uh, sitting there struggling, trying to figure out how am I going to make ends meet, then uh, check out missionbybusiness.com and see how we're using AI to help businesses and we're creating great incomes for ourselves and helping uh, local businesses, which then helps us get into the community even more. So check it out, missionbybusiness.com. All right, guys. And because it's a new year, I'm going to close today. Hey, thanks for joining the Church Planner Podcast. This has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you, if you want to reach ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing.